Welcome to the IP2 podcast. Today, it's just Felix and I. How are you doing today, Felix? Well, I'm still a little bit recovering from yesterday where we had our RTN, which we're going to talk about quite a bit this episode. But other than that, doing good, had a nice chill Sunday. How about you? I am also still recovering. Yesterday was a long day for me. Uh, not only was it like 10, 11 hours of the RTN, I got home. I had to play some Dungeons and Dragons at 1030 till like one o'clock in the morning. And then we uh, finished that off, got to a little bit of sleep before I went to an armory at 11 this morning with my daughter. You are incredibly dedicated to the game and your Dungeons and Dragons group. And it's that kind of dedication that I'm sure causes the group to continue uh, as we've covered <laughs> some, off in previous episodes. Some of it. You were sitting there with me last night at dinner. Well, I got the text message asking me if I was coming to Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, I totally forgot about that. Wow. I have no idea how you keep this up despite <laughs> that uh, that lack of paying attention, but that's all right. Yeah. You, well, you would think that it would be habit by now after like three years. Uh, well, well, before we start talking about all that fab stuff, let's uh, let's take a couple minutes to talk about ourselves. And why don't we ask a couple of questions about being a content creator? I mean, it's been six episodes plus a couple shorts. And I guess just off the bat, what do you think about being a content creator and, and podcasting? Is it harder or is it easier than you thought it would be? It's both, actually. Like having, making a podcast itself is really easy. It's just talking, right? What I find difficult is forcing these conversations from an unnatural state. Like just, you know, I need a script to, to sort of work off. I can't, I'm not very good at ad-libbing. So when I look over and read it, sometimes it doesn't feel as natural as a conversation that I think that you and I were looking for. And we're slowly working towards getting better at that. I know it's something that you and I talk about a lot. So it's both, I would say. Um, but I think a lot of it is harder than you might think it is because of things that don't come natural to a person, um, as well as a, a lot of the behind-the-scenes work that people might not be aware of. As an amateur editor, it's not that you know quick to put out a polished product. And you and I, I think, are perfectionists and want to put out the best quality product that we can. Yeah, like talking with you is is really easy, but just the natural conversation has a lot of nonsense and silliness and we're laughing and it's probably not a comprehensible for a podcast. But the more we try to script it, the more unnatural and stilted it, it feels. We had to retake the first episode twice and throw those two revisions in the garbage and the third revision is the one that made it live and mm -hmm. even that that third revision of the first episode seemed a little bit scripted even though we were both trying very hard to make it sound natural and i'm sure it'll, it'll continue to get a, a little bit easier over time hey yeah it's obviously a skill that needs to be developed and further to that the second episode that we were we we recorded we had two um, we had to record it two times because uh, we threw mm. the first one out because it again felt very unnatural robotic and then after that we've kind of gotten down to the one take which starts to feel better but obviously there's you know there's times in there that it doesn't sound as um, natural and smooth as I think I'd like it to yeah and as you alluded to earlier as very amateur content creators we are sometimes using retakes as a as a crutch when something goes completely off the rails and 
one of us has a mental blank, which is <laughs> often myself, uh, to be quite honest. I don't know. And, and Shay, you you put in a, a lot of work behind the scenes. Uh, just between the two of us, you you do a lot of the the heavy lifting when it comes to editing, and I really like the humorous uh, cuts that you do at the end as well, like the blooper reel mm. or yeah. Are you giving my giving away my Easter egg? Okay, like, come on. <laughs> I want people to hear it. Actually, I don't mind it being out there. I want people to hear it. Um, The outro is a little long. It's like 30 seconds. So I get if people haven't found it yet because they might shut it off. But I figure maybe there's the odd person that's got their phone in their pocket and they don't take take their phone out to stop the podcast and they, they find it. So that's kind of the world I live in. Yeah, no, that's uh, no. You you put in a, a lot of the work um, on the editing side, finding those humorous clips, and yeah, making us making us sound good. And mm-hmm. that stuff is not easy. Um, yeah, I I tend to do a lot of the talking when I don't know what to do. My response <laughs> is sometimes to talk, even though I am a little bit of a quiet person. I swear, uh, in in real life, and yeah. I I don't want anyone to think that you're you're not doing a lot for us uh oh behind the scenes as well yeah i i don't need i don't need like to the the credit out in the public that's fine you and i both know what's happening and and i appreciate the recognition and i can't even begin to guess how long it takes you to put some of these thoughts and ideas together on paper that we can discuss them Uh, i i think you have an amazing eye for being able to figure out how much content fits in a podcast you're like yep i think this is the right amount of time and I look at this and I go, how can you even gauge that? Just looking at a few lines of questions and thoughts. I think it's a pretty amazing skill that you already have. Yeah, for sure. Writing scripts and presentations is something that I sometimes do during during my day job. So some of that does does translate over. I guess speaking somewhat of that, um, we we've been successful in pushing out weekly episodes from number two to number five, and we're recording number six right now. How's that feeling for you right now? I mean, both of us are busy. You, you especially have, you, you are a parent. You have mm-hmm. pets as well. Like how's, how's juggling all that? It's not too bad. It, it gets really crunch when I actually start to like dig down and think about the windows of time that I have to work on this. As you mentioned, I did do most of the editing, but I can only edit certain times of the day. Obviously I work and I have family obligations I still try to attend armories when I can. My wife uh, does axe throwing on Tuesdays, so I'm in charge of dinner and putting Alora to bed. So that window gets really tight during the week uh, to find time to edit. Uh, currently, it's taking me two to three hours to do edit because, again, trying to put out the best polished product that we can, so I'm spending a lot of time cutting out dead air and ums and ahs and lots of stuff. You know, we record on Sunday, and then I got Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday to try and bang out the the editing because Wednesday I go to the armory and Thursday I want to get it in your hands so that you can prep it, uh, prep the YouTube stuff for and have it um, launch on Friday. So I have a, a two evening w- window to basically get it ready. And as you've seen in the Discord messages, it's usually uh, I'm sending you a message about 1.06 a.m. saying that it's up. Yeah, you, you keep some funny <laughs> hours, my friend, but hey, to each their own, right? I'm just trying to show you that I'm dedicated to this. Dude. Oh, no. No, 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 no one's the boss here. This is a, this no, is a partnership. <laughs> I know. I know. But how about you? How is it fitting into your, your life so far? It, it is, it is a lot. And I have, again, new found respect for content creators that do manage to, to do this regularly. 
Um, to be very honest, it, it it could be the fact that once in a while we we do have to skip a week just because of our other obligations. For myself, I do travel for my work once every two or three weeks, and there's a lot of stuff going on. But honestly, just having the opportunity to catch up with you uh, intentfully, uh, you know, it's something that I, I genuinely look forward to on a, a week by week basis. So it, it is something that I, I do want to continue. Um, it, you know, it, it is something that I want to continue to do regularly once per week, but both of us, uh, this is something that we do for fun. So if we do mm -hmm. have to take a break once in a while on our, our really crazy weeks, uh, we're, we're not going to worry too much about that. Yeah, we're, we're always going to be working on, on, our, on the fab community and, and everything else going on in our lives uh, in the background. How do you feel about the feedback that we've gotten so far? Have you had uh, personal interactions with people? Are there comments on the uh, YouTube page or anything like that that you've noticed? Yeah, so I have received two or three incredibly kind messages from people um, on Twitter, just direct messages from, from two individuals that I met um, at Indianapolis um, judging together that happened to stumble upon... Uh, the podcast and and let me know that they really enjoyed that and i i did pass that that on to you as well and you know we're new i i don't expect us to be reaching a huge audience right now um you know that's not really the objective to to get 1000 subscribers or anything like that and hundreds of comments but for us at this stage any feedback is incredibly valuable and honestly uh getting those two or three messages so far has has really made my day um in addition to to all the stuff that we hear here locally as well which we really support or we really appreciate the support mm -hmm. of the community here guess how about you Shay? yeah it's super encouraging to hear you know just kind words it's it's nice i haven't really gotten more than just um, local people say it's good i like it keep up the good work i did have one person i talked to about giving some actual criticism isn't the word i'm looking for but can um, some advice or things that we could work on and improve and that's the kind of stuff that i'm also looking for because if you know we're pandering to the public and if we're not putting out a product that they care about you know we're not going to reach potential audiences that we hope to because i think you know we know we're not looking to be a hundred thousand subscriber podcast or anything like that hey cool if it grew into that that would be awesome but that's not necessarily the goal um, so any, any, you know, thoughts or ideas to get better or topics to talk about that are relevant to people, I'm all ears. I want to, I want to hear those things. Um, and I want to learn about them. Funny, uh, about a month ago, I think the push the point put out, uh, the art of podcasting with Taylor from attack action podcast out. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be good. We're starting our podcast. This should be, have some good information. It's still sitting on my desktop and I haven't listened to it yet. And it's one of the things on my laundry list of things to uh, listen to and learn to try and help our own podcast improve yeah it feels like that there's so many things that you can do at any given time to improve those skills that it, it's hard to know where to begin so totally mm -hmm. totally get where you're coming from there i guess the, the the last question before we move on from this segment just the last couple episodes that we had were interviews with uh, a couple special guests and i mean how was how was interviewing did, did you enjoy it it was a lot of fun. For me, they were two people that I didn't know. You contacted them. You have relations with them. So I kind of felt like an outsider at first. 
But by the end of the the interviews, they kind of like felt like friends almost at that point. Just both Fred and Ryan were super open, very casual and very easy to talk to and listen to. And I, I found myself enjoying those episodes a lot more than I initially thought I would. Um, what did you think about them? Yeah, it, it flowed very naturally, like a, a conversation between friends. And it felt a little bit like a level up moment for myself and for us as as a team, you and I and the guest, that we were able to carry on a, a pretty coherent conversation, I would say, mm-hmm. without too many cuts and, and all of that. Um, yeah, it, it was a great time. And I, I really can't wait to have more guests on. And the first couple happened to be judges. I really want to look past um, just judges and also to other community leaders, community builders, shop owners, anyone with a leadership role, which mm-hmm. includes judges, but is not just restricted to that. And I'm, I'm really excited to have more more guests on so we can really shine the spotlight all over. Yeah, we were kind of talking about judging and community uh, just before we started recording. And it's going to be easy for us to keep talking about judges and rule interactions as the game grows. That's an infinite topic. Um, But we really do want to get more community building and more people, like you said, with those leadership roles and get their ideas and their their experiences out uh, into the world in our podcast. Absolutely. And... I guess just to slide into our main topic for today. So today is Sunday. Yesterday was Saturday, the day of Calgary's RTN for 2023. And you were the head judge of that event. And I mean, both of us were there. You were the head judge. I was participating as as one of the players. And I guess, yeah, it, it's a, it was a huge event for, for the Calgary scene. And we had some visitors guess Shay how how did that day, day start for you um yeah that started actually probably on Wednesday to be honest I started reviewing some of the rules and policies at work trying to think of some of the cards that I'm not familiar with and reading over some interactions honestly I looked at amnesia because I was not super familiar with amnesia and how it worked I didn't think it was going to be a big proponent of the day but I did definitely want to be prepared for it because there was an article specifically about what is a name on the FabTCG website. And further to that, I actually created a, a little cheat sheet for myself with simple uh, rules corrections or for the day. So simple things like um, like uh, failure to main, maintain game state or looking at right. extra cards. I had a little piece of paper so that I didn't have to go back to my laptop, find the right page scroll to the right section. So I just had a printed piece of paper out with the concepts quick and then the quick fixes so that I could uh, get, get, get that pace of play going for those people. Um, and then on the day, obviously I had packed up that stuff. I had packed my decks. Um, I had a really janky riptide deck that if somebody didn't have a deck, they could <laughs> play oh, this. No, if you're we really need handicap. <laughs> hey, if you don't come with a deck, this is what you get. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I have my laptop. I even brought a little table because I knew space was going to be tight. The shoebox, the store that the RTNs was being held at, has no more than 40 seats. And as far as I was aware, we were going to have 40 players. So there was going to be nowhere for me to set up and not be in the way of the employees of the store while they're conducting their regular business. So I brought a little a portable table and Grant brought a chair for me. And I set up in the little kitchen there 
uh, out of everybody's way and still in, in view of the the venue. So that was kind of the start of my day. How about you? Yeah, well, I haven't had a lot of time to prepare for this, uh, this RTN. So luckily, one of the heroes that I'm very familiar with, old him, is pretty good right now i would say <laughs> so as I've far heard. as the meta goes yeah so you know one of the things that i i rely on as a as a crutch for being casually competitive on a very strict time budget is just to try to stick to one hero and and one where i can really show you know bring all my tricks to bear and and really show some kind of edge uh with mm -hmm. my familiarity and so I, I felt pretty comfortable going into the RTN, even though I hadn't had a lot of time to practice just with everything going on with work mm -hmm. and the podcast and, and all of that. Um, so yeah, I, I showed up. I, I knew that there were a couple people having brunch beforehand. Were you part of that, Shay? I was, actually. Uh, I got a really yeah. early start to my day. So I ended up getting to Denny's before everybody else. And yep. I walked in and she's like, for one. And I was like, no, actually like 10 people. She's like, oh, man, are you, <laughs> like, wait, are you part of the 10 that's already reserved? And I'm like, no way. I didn't see anything about anybody reserving a table. And so like, okay, all right. And they set us down way in the back. And then a couple of people showed up and I find out actually uh, Logan did phone in and reserve 10 people like a good guy. So we let what them know that. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It was awesome. Like, yeah. You don't, you don't want to on a busy Sunday, you don't want to take away tables from a restaurant. So we let them know. And yeah, we had about, I think nine people show up for, for brunch at Denny's. Yeah. And, and that's a great little tradition that we have here in Calgary. It just really sets a good social mood for the day. If, if everyone has breakfast together, even though you're going to be competing mm -hmm. uh, against each other later at the, at the start of the day, we're all friends. We're having food together at the end of the day, there's going to be a meal as well. Everyone's going to be invited um and and that kind of stuff is great unfortunately just because of the way the day shook out for me i wasn't able to to participate in that but i i stepped into the the venue around 30 minutes before you know the event started and yeah i was just blown away by the number of people that that showed up i i knew that it was going to be a 40 person event but just mm -hmm. to see everyone there for yourself is is always incredible to see I'm immediately starting to size up some of the competition coming from out of town. Mm -hmm. um, we we had some of the strongest players in this province are from Edmonton. I think three of them went to the Pro Tour and two of them uh, came down um, from Edmonton to this event, as well as some of their friends as well. And they're all very strong players. Um, I'm, I'm pretty transparent to everyone. My main objective uh, for any one of these events <laughs> is that someone from Calgary wins. No offense to anyone from, yeah. from Edmonton, but this is yeah. our home turf. And these, these are the good, these are the folks that I practice with and, and have fun with on a week to week basis. So definitely a little bit anxious seeing the people coming from out of town, um, trying to suss out what, what decks they're on and, and trying to just say hi to people and, see what decks they're on, give them some last minute advice or words of encouragement. There's also some other community members that come out only for these big events. Um, maybe they have certain family obligations or even busier uh, just for the week to week armories, but they do show up for these larger events and always yeah. try to make a point to say, hi, you know, I remember you don't feel like you're forgotten. Um, it's always good and, to see those people. 
you know? Oh, yeah. Like I said, we don't get to see them very often, and it's great that they can make it out whenever. Yeah, so that that was the, the start of my day. Um, just just tried to do my best to to keep my nerves settled and to say hi to everyone and, you know, just make sure all the little things are taken care of, that your your deck is all good, no marked cards you had in your deck list, and just uh, wait with nervous anticipation mm-hmm. for first-round pairings. Yeah, I find I guess... chatting... Go ahead. Sorry. I find chatting to people, chatting with people, a way to try to calm those nerves or forget that those nerves are there. Uh, that's one of the things that I do. And even mm-hmm. as a judge, standing at, you know, at the cash register with the TO, just looking at how full this environment is, and we're still 15 minutes away from the event even starting. And I'm like, there's a lot of people here. And then like you kind of mentioned, there's there's a there at this event, there was a ton of faces that I had never seen before, which was nerve-wracking because I didn't know who they were, their experiences, but it was also exciting to see the game growing. And there was probably close to like eight to ten people that I'd never seen before. I didn't know their names is their names and never met them before. Yeah, so I guess as the Tiber ticked through to the first round, how did that all go from from your perspective? Pretty good. Um, people got set up really, really quick and very easy. It was... Yeah, um, there wasn't too much to like getting it set up, but like right off the hop, we started, I started getting judge calls within ten minutes. Um, nothing, nothing too heavy, uh, too early. Thankfully, uh, got to ease in with some simple things. But again, our community is really good. A lot of the people I think were hashing stuff out themselves, but when in doubt, call a judge. And some of those the, the calls that you get that we might find easy as people that are familiar with the rules. Uh, aren't this aren't so for other people when they're not necessarily playing the game as much or they're not used to playing against a certain hero and you know um it's just good to keep like honing those those skills and keeping those memory banks going how about the start for the day for you so with a deck like oldham you really want to target a specific metagame and my deck was at the time very targeted towards playing the mirror and playing against rangers it was not as strong into rune blades and it had completely sacrificed certain matchups like the matchup against Phi and the matchup against dash so round one in an event like an rtn is incredibly nerve-wracking because you're not sure who you're going to be paired up against it could be literally anyone in the entire room and just doing a little bit of, you know, scouting with my eyes uh, as I'm going around walking, seeing and, and saying hi to people. I saw that there were a lot of dashes, I think four uh, during the day. And there were at least one or two fives as well. So mm-hmm. the entire time when it comes to round one, I'm just thinking to myself, I, I hope this is a matchup that is is not fi, is not dash i hope i can get something that that i'm prepared for and as it turned out i i did get matched up against uh, something that i was comfortable against uh, which was dorinthia and we had an epic game that that went right down to the wire and playing against warrior is definitely something that the more experience you have the the better you get and i i was able to squeak one one out uh, at the end Nice. So overall, yeah, very happy with the way things got uh, got started on the day. And yeah, I, I did notice uh, there were quite a few judge calls near the beginning. I think 
maybe people were a little bit nervous uh, at the beginning. Some maybe a little bit of misplays or drawing extra cards. I actually don't know. Like what what kind of calls were you getting? I was getting how does a card work? A couple of those. Mm -hmm. There were some extra cards and. One of them, I think we were going to talk about this a little bit later, but we might as well throw it in now. The The big one from the first round was an end of turn question. Uh, opponent um, had a blood rot pox token triggering or activating, and they wanted to play Sigil of, Sigil of Solace in response. And I had to tell them, no, that they can't do that because uh, there is no priority window happening at in, during the end of phase. So that was about like the only really, I guess super interesting one for the round but yeah one one thing about flesh and blood that often trips people up coming from magic is that there is no priority during end of round or start of round as well i understand in magic you basically have priority at any time but i i could be wrong i'm yeah. not very familiar with magic but i have heard that you can respond to people in their draw step or untap or right. or all that but certainly can't do that in in flesh and blood there, there is one thing that we kind of skipped that I do want to go back over to from yep. the beginning of the event that I wanted to mention that we had 38 people uh, attend the event. We had 15 unique heroes. Mm. I think we had five people from Edmonton, so about three hours away. And we had at least three people from Lethbridge. Uh, there might have been more. And there was, like I said, there was a few people that didn't know where they were from. So that's kind of a little bit of a breakdown of what our meta kind of looked like. Yeah, pretty wide, like um, like you said, 15 unique heroes. So especially that first round, you're you're never quite sure what, what you're going to run into, which is scary for everyone. Mm -hmm. I don't think any hero is very comfortable into every single other hero out there. So definitely a lot of nerves. That's what makes it really interesting right now and also super frustrating. You know, I don't know what your sideboard size looks like, but typically my deck sideboards are about 12 cards. And you can't target a vast array of heroes with 12 cards. It's super hard. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, from, I can't find the sheet, but some of the numbers were, I think we had six Lexi, five Oldham, five Briar, and four or five Dash. And those were the the major um, players of the event or, or sizable. And mm -hmm. so like out of 38 people, having no more than six or five of a hero meant it was going to be very diverse and you were going to find unfavorable matchups. Uh, and ones that you probably weren't counting on in in, in uh, certain places. Yeah, and and that's again where having some a familiarity and a lot of reps on a hero over time really helps because you can just revert to a kind of more basic game plan. You know your lines, you know your math, mm -hmm. and and just just being familiar like that does give you a bit of an edge uh into a very broad meta like that mm -hmm. yeah so first round's over um i i almost went to time and this is going to be a theme <laughs> playing hold'em uh, and i i was chatting to lane uh between rounds about how both he and i had reputations for being defensively minded players and lo and behold I think, yeah, we, we literally get paired into each other after talking for five minutes about how we did not want to get paired into each other. So thanks a lot, yeah. Jim. That's great. Luckily, both of our Oldham builds ran Anathos with Vambray, so it was a lot less painful of a match than either of us thought it would be. 
I think out of all my six games in Swiss, my match against Lane took the least amount of time. I think we were done in 35 minutes, which Thanks. was a miracle. Yeah. Again, Ultim playing Anathos reminds me so much of Bravo, and I've been playing Bravo Mirrors for just around two years now. So I was able to really revert back to that level of experience and all of those play patterns, all the pitch stack, math, and memorization. Uh, even though I hadn't had the chance to practice for the last couple of weeks, um, that that really paid off. And Lane is an amazing player as well. Very, very, um, very skilled, very naturally talented at, at card games. And we had a, a very, very epic match, even though it, it only lasted around 35 minutes. So, yeah, that was um, that was a really good game, I guess. Any. Yeah. As as the, as the day went on throughout the middle, uh, you know, throughout the middle rounds of Swiss, I continued to get those really long drag out games. I started getting paired into Rangers uh, as the day went on, and the game plan is quite defensive into those decks. And I ended up having some some very very long games toward the middle as well. How many people did you end up decking? Um, completely decking like three of them the others just more like pitch stack pummel as they were right. trying to preserve threats it's yeah. not always a complete fatigue plan yeah i had one unfortunate draw towards the middle but i could have uh, could have played a lot faster as well i mm -hmm. think when you're you're playing against a lot of the much better players you have to be so sharp with your math like you can't leak any extra damage and just doing those calculations for the first time does take a little bit of extra time for someone like me that didn't have all the practice that I, I should have had. I guess, how did the middle of the day go for you? The middle of the day, so round three was honestly the most interesting call. Uh, but before I get to that, I do want to ask you, typically, how much practice have you been doing pr in prior events to this one? Because I know you'd mentioned that, you know, you were busy with life and travel. And part of your success is definitely because of the reps you have on a hero like Oldham, but further to that, back to like Nats and Worlds and Calling, how much practice were you doing uh, to get to this point where you are? Yeah, I mean, I practice, I believe strongly in fundamentals uh, when it comes to playing. And the way that you build up fundamentals is by being intentful when you do get the opportunity to play. So... I do consider armories to be a form of practice. I'm not always trying to win. I'm not always trying to spike armories. But when I do get the chance to play, I do try my best to be intentful and, and focus on a specific skill. For example, on next week's armory, I might be playing a meme hero like Riptide. Sorry, Shay. But, oh, that hurts. <laughs> but during that armory, I'm going to make sure every single hand I'm going to optimize to its fullest extent from mm -hmm. a mathematical perspective. Right. And I'll use that opportunity to practice like that. If you frame it that way, I don't do a lot of extra practice. Like, I really love it when a group of us can say, hey, at my house today, we're going to get together and play some games. I really love that. But I can't always get out there. And you live on the opposite end of the city as I do. It's a big city. Calgary is way too big. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's hard for me as well. Yeah. So... I would say when it comes to Oldham playing in the way that I've I've played him, it's like 
an accumulation of two years of practice. When it comes to prep preparing for big events, if I can practice with you guys for two or three or four days, just in the weeks leading up to the event, just like four hours in a day, six hours in a day, then that's a blessing. Yeah. Um, and we have pulled that off in the past. This time, not so much just for a variety of factors. Yeah, this one, even I was, I honestly was glad I wasn't playing in this one because even I didn't get any rips into anything. I don't even know what I'm going to play next week in Leduc. Mm. And, you know, you were gone. I didn't, I was judging. Um, some other people were on vacations. And so I, I felt like our little group that usually gets together to practice, none of us were really prepared for this event like we had been in the past. And I was right. nervous for those playing because we weren't getting those reps in. And the meta as it is today was super wide. And yeah. uh, so I felt uncomfortable for other people. Um, but yeah. Anyways, going back to your question, how did the middle of the day go for me? Uh, round three was the most interesting judge call I've ever had. I'm trying to recount it as best as I can. A player had was playing Azalea, had played a lace with frailty and a premeditate and a bolt and shot. And I'm told that the player heard that it was lace with inertia. Then he played and defended as if he was getting an inertia token. Then they continued play to the Azalea player playing an infecting shot. And so now we have two tokens in play. And at that point, the player had realized that he was getting a frailty token and not getting an inertia token. It was very convoluted getting the two stories from the two players uh, for me to try and really understand what was happening because there was a it was a bunch of miscommunication and one person thought he had said something and another person thought he had heard something different. And then they also continued to play with... Um, the miscommunication. So when it came to the end of the turn, um, it was kind of a kind of a mess. And what I ended up doing is we ended up coming to a parcel, a partial rewind of the board state where the defending player or the non-active player could actually defend since they weren't going to have a turn because of the token they were getting. And that was what we ended up doing. But it was very yeah, it was very interesting, and I, it probably took me 10 to 15 minutes to try and go through this because there was a lot of investigating. And again, talking with Ryan in our last episode, uh, investigation isn't a skill that I've developed yet. I've never had to really dig down and ask two parties questions and decipher what they're telling me, as well as um, what are my options as a judge? How do I fix this game state, and how do I do it in the most neutral or, or the, the appropriate way. So I had to actually go back and refer to the policy and come up with a game plan. And yeah, that's what we ended up doing. We did the partial. Yeah, that, that sounds like quite a call there. And I mean, the number one lesson to me there is that as soon as you notice something wrong and whether that's, hey, it's like I thought that I would be getting a different kind of token or, Hey, something on this board doesn't seem right to me. Uh, if this doesn't match my understanding, then just, just call a judge right then. Because mm -hmm. I, I bet in your case, the fact that play proceeded for a certain amount of time only made the fix 
infinitely 100%. worse. Hundred percent. It was. Yeah. It was actually probably pretty simple had they not continued to play the rest of the yeah. turn out. Yeah. So but that's that's okay. You know. Oh yeah. Again, um, it didn't impact the tournament. They still finished within time. Obviously, they were granted a time extension if they needed it. Yeah, it was it was fun. Like as I've recounted it a couple of times, the more I talk about it, I'm like, it was actually a really good call for me. Uh, and I actually kind of enjoy it now, uh, now that I think about it and have told it, told it a couple of times and discussed it with people. Yeah, it's like, hey, judging like this and complicated situations, it has a way of getting its hooks in you, hey? I, I feel the exact same way. A, a little bit. I, and there was definitely a point when I was looking up the policy on how to resolve it. I was like in my little corner. I was sweating. I was like telling myself, I'm like, you don't have to rush. You can control this. You can give them as much time as you need. But yeah. I felt really pressured to not have them sit there for a long time and delay the tournament. But I had to keep telling myself that it's okay. And what's important is making the correct call at the end of the day and then letting them play it out after that. Exactly. No, that's that's great. And sounds like you, you came to an amicable solution for, for all. Well, nobody yelled at me, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How about how about the mid rounds for you? How did how did that go? Hey, uh, yeah, no, like I I said, just uh, as as we went from the middle to the end of the tournament, I yeah, I was playing just game after game of epic to the wire game with my my only game that lasted less than thirty five minutes, being with another player with a reputation of being very methodical right. as well yeah. and defensive, so. Um, but I, I was noticing as uh, as the the day uh, wore on, um, I was very fortunate in most of my pairings. I was at table one for the entire Swiss. I, I was seeing some of the players I was afraid of from Edmonton also towards the top the tables. tables. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I was immediately very nervous about that. I just have some um, some some flashbacks of people from Edmonton, you know, stealing our tournaments. And I really didn't want this to be the case. And one person in particular is an excellent player. Um, and he was sitting right beside me. And then we played, I think it was in round three or round four, was lucky enough to, to beat him in that game. And again, a very, very close nail biting kind of game. But yeah, toward the end of Swiss, uh, I was just trying to keep my head down, trying to stay composed through getting minimum downtime between games. It's the kind yeah. of the life you, you lead as an Oldham player and trying to finish all my games on time, which I did, except for the one draw. And I ended up coming out of the six cent rounds of Swiss with a five win and one draw record, which, yeah, was, was awesome. Did that put you in first or was there somebody above you? Uh, that put me in first, yeah. Okay, nice. Awesome. Yeah, so. I didn't... <clears throat> I didn't notice that your playmat wasn't moving throughout yeah. the course of the day. You just kind of sat in that chair and had uh, Felix butt imprints on it. Yeah. Welcome to Felix's office. Um. <laughs> yeah. 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 Prepare for a slugfest. Yeah. Um, and then I had one more interesting judge call that I wanted to talk about um, before we kind of move forward. In round four, uh, this is a card I'm not familiar with as a, as a non-Guardian player. But um, an opponent had played Stamp Authority. Oh, no. And put it into play. And yeah. the question from the Briar player was, does Stamp Authority stop Force of Nature 
and Briar's embodiment of Earth on hit trigger. Snap Authority says on hits don't trigger on him attack action card on hits don't trigger is i think it was the errata that we found and in kind of looking into the embodiment and the force of nature i don't believe that those effects add their on hit onto the attack action card they um, just they're just checking from their own source and so it was determined that no stamp authority doesn't stop those two uh, Briar on hits. And I found it just really interesting because nobody ever plays Snap Authority. But, I mean, obviously they do because here we are. I guess uh, another fun fact, Stamp Authority, one of those cards that makes it onto judge quizzes and judge exams. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. start seeing someone asking very detailed questions about Stamp Authority, be very suspicious of that. It is a very complicated card to get right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's... Uh... And then, so after that, we get to the top eight. So obviously your first seed, how did the top top cut go for you? Yeah, so I top cut is always a, a bit of a stressful time for a lot of people. There's always a lot of people around the bubble. The bubble for a six round tournament is going to be four, two. And we ended up with people with four points all the way down to like position 12 or 13, if I yeah, recall correctly. So there's a lot of nervous people waiting for the results of, of Top Cut. Um, I was silently cheering for as many people from Calgary to get in Top Cut as possible, and my wish was fulfilled. Only one person that was not from Calgary <laughs> made it into Top 8, which is mostly a, a success. Um, uh, again, my, my heart breaks were for people that did make it the objective to make top eight and and just fell a little bit short the tiebreakers can be very unforgiving for sure um but hey in, it's a 38 person event and you have to select the eight people that that had the best record for the mm -hmm. day yep. and yeah seven a, a great diversity of people made it i was very happy for for everyone that did to be frank um i just have a little bit of mental damage from Andrew, uh, who is an excellent player, probably the best player in Alberta uh, based on results and and talent and all of that. He was the one Edmontonian against seven Calgarians, and I think he's won the event at least twice in a similar situation. And I, I, I really desperately wanted uh, someone someone from Calgary to win this, uh, this event. So yep. I was already feeling a little bit of a pit in my stomach um so we we took a, a nice picture for top eight and sat down i did have to move seats which i i blame for the what happens next which mm. is getting paired yes. against travis who is our excellent friend uh excellent player um and end up end up dying to him unfortunately in in quarterfinals but it was an epic game he got off an amazing channel force turn it's it's a lesson for me uh i had played a red choke slam on the turn before seeing that he had set up a channel he blocked with his fridge so he gave up his tunic and his crown uh mm -hmm. to keep a, a big hand um but he he let off without playing a non-attack action and by e-strike drawing Right. So I I had uh, and he also had Amulet of Earth on board as as well. So throughout a convoluted series of decisions, I I had made the decision or I had made the judgment that 
I should leak the first or not play around a lightning press or um, any kind of trick, uh, which turned out to be the wrong thing. And I got totally blown out uh, by the channel force turn uh, took like 40 damage. Uh, yeah. In, in that moment, did you recognize the amulet of earth? I, I did. Yeah. Okay. I, I have no excuse for that. Okay. Yeah. Amulet of earth is the breaking scales of briar. Yeah people always forget exists i know i do oh yeah so yeah travis travis took you down that's tough travis yeah his second time um well he he's beat me three top cuts in a row in calgary i got (laughs) i got one back over him in edmonton uh for the 1k but uh no he is a great player i love playing against him he is a great sportsman uh but you know tough competitor yeah and a a personal friend of ours so Does that make him your arch nemesis? No, come on. <laughs> I just mean arch in the game. Arch nemesis, yeah, come on. In the game. No. Um, for the, anybody that was wondering, uh, the top eight heroes were three Lexis, uh, which was a fifty percent conversion because there was only six Lexis in the in the event. Um, so yeah, so three Lexis, two Briars, an Oldham, an Icelander, and an Azalea. Mm-hmm. No, we mm-hmm. we we had an awesome top top cut and. <laughs> Our, our game, again, lasted the longest. I did end up hanging on to Dear Life until he set up the rights loop at the end. Um, yeah. the, the life totals were like 7 to 33 at a certain point. And <laughs> yeah. it, I, I was probably dead at that point, but it took uh, an extra 45 minutes or so for, <laughs> for the game to end. So classic yeah. Oldham kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I with a sinking feeling afterwards, I realized that Andrew had also progressed to the semifinals, and I just thought, okay, I, I've seen this before. He's yeah. just going to carve his way through a sea yeah. of Calgarians again, and and bring that Jabil back up north to yeah. to our rival city. But um, but at, as it turns out, no, yeah. point, sorry. Yeah, no. As as it turns out, you know, he he was knocked out in semifinals by. A dark horse, I, I would say, Sean. Um, yeah. And I say dark horse because we have so many excellent players that have been so loyal to their classes. Sean locally has been a Ranger player since I've known Forever. him. Forever? Yeah. Yeah. And he's never... I, I think he's made a couple top eights before in skirmishes and these tier two tournaments, but never stepped it up to the next level. But today was his day. Like, he played some excellent games. In Swiss, we played. He took me down to zero cards in deck and, like, two cards in my hand and myself at two hit points. And he, he that's when he lost his last card. Yeah. Um, like, he, he played out of his mind today. And yeah, he did. I was, I was so happy that, that he was the one that, that won. Travis also did super well. He got second. Yeah, in the semifinals, the third and fourth, Alex, uh, who was another loyal, very loyal Briar player, was was the other person that secured his Nats invite. So a lot of really dedicated players seeing success today, which made me so happy. Yeah, that was one of the things that we were talking about at dinner afterwards, that at least I think most of the top nine, ten people were on their dedicated hero. Uh, they weren't meta calls. They weren't like meta prediction heroes that are going to be S tier. They were playing what they know, what they've put time into. 
and they found success. I think for the majority of players, that's where people are going to find success. They're going to, um, I know I can't just jump from hero to hero and then start winning games. It doesn't matter if they're S tier. It takes time to learn the nuances. I think those people need to recognize that they were rewarded. Maybe they didn't, you know, obviously win the event, but they were re- rewarded for playing their hero um, and learning all the, the intricacies for that hero. Yeah. And yeah, like, like you said, at the end of the day, um, what I really like about Top Cut is there's a great atmosphere towards the end. A lot of the players that got knocked out, they didn't just leave in a huff. They stayed around, maybe not hovering over the game. I especially have this issue with feeling a lot of anxiety when it's two people that I both want to win yeah. um, and watching them play a game with stakes. I actually have to not watch that and just have a side conversation a respectable mm-hmm. distance away. And yeah, I, under- so, I understand that. Yeah. So a, a lot of us hung out afterwards, uh, played some side games, just chilled out until the, the event was over, and then we we had supper afterwards. Yeah, it was, it was tough to watch you uh, you and Travis play. Uh, like I said, <laughs> watching, watching two people that you have bonded with, that you have admiration and respect for that one of them has to you know not continue their day yeah at that point um as far as judge goals there was nothing exciting in the top cut we had the the best of the best on the day and everybody had figured everything out at that point so it's a pretty easy watch from that point uh for me yeah and and massive shout out to the the tos um karen and alexandra as well who was was helping like just the the day was incredibly smooth. It was mm-hmm. uh, absolutely really enjoyable, and I I know I'm going to be talking about this event. Like hearkening back to something I mentioned a couple episodes ago about the lore of a scene and different local yep. legends. I mean, in my eyes, Sean is a, a local legend. Like, who would have predicted yep. him to to take the whole thing down when we had two pro tour competitors coming in from Edmonton and you know no one he's just a player that that comes out regularly to events and is very loyal to his class and he played super well today and and he got the result and i'm going to be talking about this for a long time as well as a lot of the stories of the other people that that did well on the day so we've been talking for quite a bit so i think we're going to wrap up the the rtn for today yeah random topic is the next thing felix what video games have you been playing lately Yeah, so my video game preference, there's a couple different kinds of games that I like to play these days. I used to be really into RTS games and before that, shooters. Uh, But but the shooters that I like are like Counter-Strike 1.5, 1.6 level. Nowadays, my reflexes are so bad. (laughs) I just spaz out when I try to aim and hit anyone. People yell at me, it's bad. You don't want to play shooters with me. I still enjoy <laughs> RTS games like the Golden Age of RTS, StarCraft, S- StarCraft 2, um, even other titles like Company of Heroes. Um, really enjoyed those, but it's just hard to to play. They do take a certain amount of time. You need to block out. Like you need a solid 45 minutes straight. Yeah. You can't really pause. Uninterrupted, yeah. Yeah, so I still have a special place in my heart for RTS games. Nowadays, I do play two primary types of games. Um, I play MMOs uh, with my wife. 
Um, so my, we're really into Final Fantasy XIV right now. Um, so just enjoying that. And a couple others within the Fab community also play, so sometimes I, I get to team up with them. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, and besides that, I, I enjoy strategy, like management-type games as well. And I've lately been playing a management-slash-logistics-type game called Against the Storm, which is like a city builder, okay. but it's also roguelike in a way. So you're trying to make a settlement and you start with all these basic blueprints, like you're able to make basic wood and basic food and all of that. But as you, with each settlement that you get, you get randomly assigned blueprints that can convert certain basic resources into advanced resources. So you get like this randomized supply chain with each new city that you get. And there's also different time pressure, different resource pressure that hits you and every game it's like a little bit of a puzzle like i get these resources in the map i'm trying to get to this end state how do i get there it's like my my villagers are hungry i have the recipe to make pies but i don't have a mill to make flour mm -hmm. like can i pivot to like making another kind of food or yeah. do i need to start hoping that i get some some recipes coming up here so it's a very interesting puzzle that's the game that that i'm playing lately okay i'm sitting here laughing because when you start started to describe the game and you're like it's a logistics and management video game and i'm like yep that sounds like you right to the t <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is enthralling my friend i don't know it what could be more exciting so riveting obviously your description made it sound a lot better uh, yeah <laughs> I, I got to tell you, when your villagers are starving and they can only eat basic fruits and you, you want to give them advanced food, but you have failed them by not <laughs> ensuring the robustness of your supply chain, that yeah. is more exciting than in f finding out how to get yourself out of that jam than any shooter out there. <laughs> I don't care if you're playing Tarkov or whatever. Some people Manage might your disagree. way out of this. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Shane? Um, I don't know. For some reason, I started playing Elden Ring again. Uh, again, it's the only yeah, Off yeah. And on, eh? I don't know why. I like it's. I mean, obviously, it's a good game. Uh, mm -hmm. I keep going back to it. I kind of don't feel like there is anything for me to play. Um, at, at this point, it's the only game I've ever Steam, um, achieved all forty-two achievements, so it's a hundred percent completed. Wow. Um, yet, you know, I'm two hundred fifty-six hours into it, and I only play PVE. Um, but just the build diversity and trying new things is kind of like I like change. So I think that's what keeps drawing me back into the game. Um, so I've been doing that like later at nights when I have time. Um, but the more important thing that uh, really I'm really excited about is that I've actually started playing Keyforge with my da my daughter, Alora. Okay. Um, we played it a, a while ago, like I think a couple of years ago. And for the last probably year or so we've been really trying to get her to play board games uh we have games like jamaica keyforge um trying to corkle that are you know not games that don't require reading they're just all symbology and you can learn and they're a lot easier to play so now that she's playing keyforge we played a couple games this week she's you know playing one of my best decks and she's beating me which is part of why i think it's exciting for her but i'm excited that i actually get to sit down and teacher games that i'm passionate about and enjoy and it's been a lot of fun you know sitting down for an hour and playing 
games of Keyforge with her. So I look forward to continuing that. And she wanted to play today. We didn't have enough time to play today. So she keeps asking me to play it. So that feels really good and really rewarding as a parent. Oh, that has to be like, I, I'm not a parent myself, but I imagine that must be a, a huge like achievement unlocked or a huge <laughs> good feeling for well, a parent. I, I, as a parent, like one of the things that you want to do is share your passions with your children and you, all you can do is hope that they um, pick them up and enjoy them as much as you do so right. that you can bond and do that thing together. So uh, it's finally happening. We've been, Yvonne and I have been talking about this since uh, we started our board game cafe. Like this would be a great game when Alora gets older, but we were six years away from it. And that time is finally now. And it's, yeah, it feels really nice. Oh, that that's so exciting. It's uh, you're, you're always going to have people to, to play board games with at, at this point, if, if things pan out like that. Yep. And key Keyforge is being re-released, right? It is. Um, I haven't really been following it a ton. I know that there was a Kickstarter or might be it was GameFound. I did back it a little bit. Um, and the U.S. is getting their shipping notifications. So they're starting to uh, starting to see on Twitter and social media that they're okay. getting their swag. So it's coming back after FFG dropped it like a bad habit. If it gets picked up by LGSs, will remain to be seen because... You know, a lot of them got left with a lot of product and that's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. And I don't think they're going to care that it was uh, Fantasy Flight and not Ghost Galaxy. That was the distributor that um, dropped it. So we'll see where right. that goes. But it's like, I, I like the game. If they don't keep producing it, I have enough to go forward to play with my daughter and just, you know, do kitchen table stuff. And that's that'll be good enough for me because Fab is the competitive TCG for me at this this point in time. No, nope, that's that that's awesome. You're you're gonna have to teach me how to play someday. I, I never to. actually learned, yeah. And Dreamblade. You gotta learn Dreamblade. I taught Travis Travis how to play Dreamblade. I think he enjoyed it. Mm, all right. <laughs> lots lots to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we're about seven episodes. What are we? Six episodes, seven yeah, episodes? Si in? This is our sixth. Sixth one? Okay. We've never done a call to action. So I think we're gonna try to do this. Um let us know in the comments or email, carrier pigeon, smoke signals, whatever you want to deliver um but let us know what aspects of the podcast you're enjoying up to this point you know we're big boys if there's some criticisms or some things that you don't like or don't find interesting please let us know uh, and i think that'll conclude this today's episode of the ip2 podcast please find us on youtube at ip2 podcast on twitter at ip2 podcast and on mastodon ip2 podcast at wraith.social thank you so much for tuning in Like how we're like this is gonna be a shorter episode